0: Episode 344, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Season 1, Episode 5, Truth.
1: Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. magical place
0: hey everyone welcome back to another episode of welcome to level seven this is the podcast where for the last five weeks ish we have been talking about the falcon and the winter soldier and the disney plus corner of the mcu and when i say we I mean me, Ben, Ben Avery, but I also mean Agent Samantha right there. Hello. And right over here is Agent Stewart. Hey, guys. And the three of us together must mean that we're talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Episode five. Truth. And I have to say, easily, easily. I want to ask your opinion on this too, but this is easily my favorite episode of the season so far.
2: So far for me too.
1: So it's real good. Real, real good. Um, Is it my favorite of the season? Probably, but it very well could be eclipsed by next episode.
0: Well, that's the thing. That's why we have to say so far, but if the buildup is this good, there's two dangers. One is that it falls flat, and then the other is that it's super good because the buildup was super good. So, which path are we going to go here? I know which path I hope they go to.
1: Did you say there's two dangers? Because one of them doesn't sound very dangerous.
0: You're right. I did say there's two dangers. I okay. meant there's. Well, let's think of a second danger that it's halfway as good, so it's still not great. And then it could be great. <laughs> so
1: will it be better? You think it'll be better or worse than the Snyder kind of justice league? Oh man.
0: Definitely better.
1: Definitely, definitely better. Okay. So I think you about know, the same length, is...
0: but definitely better.
1: <laughs> yeah. The same length.
0: And actually, if you think about it, six episodes, 45 minutes, if minutes ish of screen time, screen story. Per episode, that's about the same, right?
2: Yeah, I did the math I during a previous episode. It's about the same as WandaVision.
0: Well, we're about Justice League, the Snyder Cut.
2: Oh, the Snyder Cut. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking yeah. division. I'm sorry. I'm over here reading uh, things about military discharges. So.
0: <laughs> I wonder why you're doing that. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, So let's let's talk about this episode. This is the episode where there's not a lot of plot, but there is a lot of stuff going on. Uh, basically, we get a big fight between John Walker, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Great. Uh, big giant set piece, which that's what that's the pattern. Every episode has one big set piece. And that that was this uh, John Walker gets discharged for what happened in front of the world and was caught on camera. And then he also gets a visit from Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. You can call her Val, but if you do, do it in your head and don't say it out loud. And
1: something Elaine.
0: Yeah, it was Elaine. You
1: forgot the the contest.
0: Yeah. yeah. Hey, by the way, we did that um, timestamp Facebook post and just to make sure that it was there and out there in case, uh, you know, we wanted proof that. That Stuart and I were right. Of course what and I said we was wrong. absolutely wrong and knew it was gonna be wrong from in the first place. And what Stuart said was also wrong, but felt right. So But
1: but still not confirmed that I'm wrong.
0: That's true. They I said they didn't name it.
1: I said John no
0: General Ross was General the power Ross broker. General Ross
1: would be the power broker. Elaine was neither of those things.
0: Well, she and was she wasn't named General as Ross, the power broker. That's the true, right? Well, she was not she named was as named. The power broker.
2: Not named, named, but she walked into that into that space with power.
0: Doesn't mean she's a power broker.
2: Mm-hmm. She she is she's powerful in some way. I mean, I let's wrote, face it. I think
0: all three of us believe she's the power broker.
2: Yes, because right? uh, mine. In my notes, one of the notes about her that I wrote down is Power Broker in all capital letters. Because she walked into that room with bad guy energy. I would also want to say I used to own not exactly stiletto boots, but high-heeled boots. And, yeah, they're not made for walking at all.
1: (laughs) Do you you want to finish your recap, Ben, and then we can dive into her?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just – it's going to be a quick recap. I mean, so Sam – He's disillusioned, he's got issues, he's got stuff to think about, stuff to talk about. He goes and visits Isaiah Bradley, brings the shield with him, Isaiah doesn't want the shield, and Isaiah really does, and we'll talk about it, have a lot to talk about um, that Sam really needed to hear. But, on the other hand, it's not stuff that brought Sam up, it's definitely stuff that, that pulled him down. Uh, meanwhile, you also have Bucky dealing with his own person, he's dealing with Zemo. And there's some good moments there, whereas they go to the Sokovian um, uh, monument that was more memorial, rather, to the, the event in Ultron. And then they come together to help fix Sarah's boat, the family boat, so they can sell it. But they're not going to sell it, but it's a nice little montage. They definitely had themselves a montage. And then from there, we also find out that Carly has, uh, connected with Batrock. and her connecting point to Batrock is agent 13. That's not good. Is this a bad guy? Is Carter a bad guy? We need to talk about that. And then we also find out that the, uh, flag smashers led by Carly are going to do something bad as the, uh, what do they call it? The repatriation thing. They're going to have a vote about what they're supposed to do with all the different people who are quote unquote refugees.
1: The GRC, the global repatriation committee,
0: the GRC. So in the meantime, Sam has left behind his wings because he doesn't want to see them anymore, but he does take up the shield and he also has some armor from Wakanda but we don't know what it looks like. Honestly, don't know if it's armor, but I'm assuming that it is some form of flying Falcon armor. That's going to connect to the shield and be cool or something like that. And that's how we end the episode. Cliffhanger.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to seeing that armor or whatever. is <laughs> in that box in my head. What's it's in armor, okay?
1: What's in the box?
0: I, ex- I just expected that. there to be yellow light flashing up at him, right? Uh, <laughs> pulp Fiction style. Maybe we'll never find out what's in the box. Maybe it's uh, it's the soul. Oh, what's I can't remember the character's name that his soul was in the Marcellus
1: box. Marcellus Wallace.
0: That's that's it. Maybe it's his soul that's in the box, and that's was Wakanda that would, had his soul. <laughs> that would be weird. That would be and, Bucky's and, one. Bucky's one favor is, yeah, can you get me Marcellus Wallace's soul, please? So I can give it to and, Sam and as a gift to help him feel the, better.
1: <laughs> the door is like, what? Okay, like, fine. Yeah, I guess. sure, we'll give it
0: to you. We don't have any use for it, but it's kind of a weird, weird request, man.
1: Like, that's a weird ask, Bucky. I
0: mean. Yeah. Okay, so it's not his soul. And also. Not his soul in pulp fiction. I'm just throwing it. Was that
1: ever confirmed in pulp fiction? I mean it wasn't in the movie, but I I wonder did he ever say anything about that at later?
0: I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that he's he kind of left it up to us. Yeah. You know, that just seems like a a Tarantino kind of thing to do. (laughs) By the way, Tarantino Star Trek. Best, yeah, that's best a Star Trek that wasn't made.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you're, okay, I guess.
0: <laughs> hey, if it gets made, I'm not saying it's gonna be the best Star Trek ever made. I'm just saying that right now, it's the best Star Trek that hasn't been made.
1: I'll give you that one. Yeah.
0: Because really, how can you not give it to me when it's just so vague? And yeah,
1: right. You know. <laughs>
0: So where do you want to start? I kind of want to maybe go through and cycle through our characters and, and, and just kind of give them all some time. Because we haven't had a chance to really talk about in detail some of these characters and their arc to bring them to where they are in this episode. And one person I've been thinking about a lot that we haven't had a chance to talk about very much is Carly. We really haven't spent much time talking about her. and And the actress who plays her, we haven't talked about her at all. And it was really interesting because when I first, when they first revealed her, I just thought to myself, wow, that, that young lady looks a lot like the leader of the proto rebellion in, in solo. And then I was looking her up and realized, Oh, that actually is (laughs) the the actress who played the leader of the proto rebellion in solo. So (laughs) that was kind of fun.
1: You, You remember when the, the, what was her name? I, forget. I
0: don't remember. It's been remember so when, long since I've seen that movie.
1: When Carly went up against Vision to get some stuff from Han Solo.
0: That's true. I forgot that Paul Bettany was in there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Underrated film, by the way. I really do think that Solo was a pretty good movie. It's, yes, it was. It suffered from prequel where they feel like they have to explain every single thing about the character. And how did he get every single thing that he has that you like. Just like the beginning of Indiana Jones and the last crusade. Love that movie. But I do think the opening sequence as awesome as it is, gets a little goofy with how many things they're cramming into that origin story of, Oh, he got the hat, the whip, the scar, the fear of snakes all on the same day. It's, it's a little silly.
1: You know, some days define you, man. That's true. Some days, true. To, some days
2: <laughs>
0: I'll I'll give you that. Say
2: That's his childhood trauma is that whole day.
0: That just one day, everything happened good and bad that defined him for the rest of his life.
2: I mean, forget that his mother died of cancer, you know, that's not so
0: important. Yeah. I, they didn't leave anything for young Indiana Jones Chronicles to, to cram in there.
1: (laughs) There is enough for young Indiana Jones Chronicles. I mean, I think they made like 30 movies or something like that.
0: Oh, it was a, it was a full on series.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. No, but I mean, that, that was feature length, they 60 were like feature yeah. length
0: episodes. Yeah. I, and I love the concept behind the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, where it's like half the episodes are him young, half are him a little bit older. And we're going to bounce between them. And filming schedules can work around two actors, two lead actors. And then you have old Indiana Jones with the patch on his eye. <laughs> In
1: one episode, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, no, Harrison Ford was in one episode, but I'm talking about the old man that they brought in to play.
1: Oh, that's right. super
0: old Indiana Jones.
1: Which, hey, that's what maybe Indiana Jones Five is going to transition us into.
0: <laughs> he'll be old, little little paunchy with a the patch, right? Yeah, and it'll be oh. Harrison Ford this yeah, time. Yeah, so Who, he'll be cranky. Yeah, and Harrison Ford is that age now where he could play that the super old guy. So mm-hmm. that's the. Just to bring it back around to our topic of choice here, which is MCU. <laughs> That's my pitch. Disney Plus, give us young Indiana Jones Chronicles, please.
1: Oh, that would be awesome. Please.
0: Why isn't it? I, you know what it is. They're waiting for Indiana Jones 5. Then then we'll get yeah. it. Just like we have yeah. the Star Wars animated stuff. Uh, Ewoks are on Disney Plus now that you walk movies and cartoon and those
1: are amazing
0: yeah the tarkovsky or however you say his name uh clone wars stuff is on there and yeah and the boba fett animated sequences from the holiday special is on are those actually
1: from the holiday special because i
0: thought yep
1: so the the holiday special had the animated series animated cartoon the best wookiee or whatever
0: yes Okay. Yes. Uh, Lumpy is watching it on like a TV kind of a a situation.
1: I'm kind of impressed that you remembered his name.
0: Hey, I've seen the Holiday Special more times than I've seen other better movies. So just throwing it out there.
1: Yes, but how many times have you seen this episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier?
0: Two. I've seen it two times. Once with my kids, and they really enjoyed it. And once by myself, and I really enjoyed it both times I really enjoyed it. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Carly then and what's going on with her because she is a fascinating villain for this this whole series. In the sense that she really does have a good motivation that's very understandable and unfortunately, and this is kind of the the key word for this entire Maybe not this entire episode, but the, the series there there is a key word of compromise that is definitely coming up in people's story and in their arc. And last episode, we saw them talking about how the soldier super soldier serum makes you more of yourself. It makes you more you and takes who you are and amplifies it. And so obviously for John Walker, that's not good for Red Skull. Not good for Steve Rogers, pretty good. <laughs> and for Carly, she straight up killed Lamar. Now she looked like she was regretting it a little bit, but only a little. And you see her, you know, making these compromises and leading up to now, she is working with Batrock. They're not just doing some criminal things in service of the good that they want to do. They are working with criminals. They're working with a man who just the only reason he wants to work with them is he's going to get paid and he gets to possibly kill Sam. That's what he's doing there. Like This is not not good choices. That's yeah, I I would definitely distinguish it as, as not making good choices. And I don't know how much of it is the influence of the super soldier serum, but
1: she definitely subscribes to that. She is the hero of her own story moniker that we've given good villains, right? Thanos, Red Skull, um, you know, ego. I mean, these are good villains and, and she, she is in that league because I think at the end of the day, she thinks what she is doing is absolutely correct.
0: I, I think that she did believe that. I think that when she killed Lamar and started making some of these other compromises, kill the people at the uh, CDR, whatever it was in that building. I the, think she GFC. then started to force herself. Yeah. It's not recordable CDs. It's, it's uh, global repatriation Um,
1: CDRWs.
0: but is it plus or minus that's the question Uh. yeah anyway (laughs)
1: kids if you get that good if you don't google it
0: (laughs) I or don't it's not not necessarily worth it Um, I think she's kind of making herself believe that the things she's doing now are right I think she's forcing herself to say it's the ends justify the means. And so I'm okay with this, but I don't think she would be okay with it. Maybe as maybe when she was younger, more idealistic, um, maybe early on in her, her, her cause. But I, I, I don't think she necessarily believes that the killing is, is what she needs to do. Cause she has now stepped over. She is a murdering murderer who murders now.
1: Hmm. Have you guys, Have we talked about her motivations? Her what? What the flag smashers are trying to
0: do? We've talked a little bit about it, but not much, and that's why I wanted to make sure we started with her today.
1: Right? Because I keep forgetting. So, so the idea of the flag smashers, as I understand it, and please, listeners, and and Ben and Samantha, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, or you have a different read on this. I see the flag smashers as someone who's wanting global unity. I mean half the population went away everybody kind of went to where the jobs are and now they're just trying to be one one people rather than you know Americans and British and all that um, but unfortunately, all those people came back and so now they're being displaced and 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 moved around a little bit. And so or a lot bit. And so where do we stand on that? I mean, it's kind of this idealistic society or, or situation where everybody is one, you know, all holding hands singing kumbaya, but the reality of that is very different.
0: No, she's a John Lennon imagine like mm-hmm. that's that's the story. That's that's the motivation. In some sense, there's there's a part of it where it is we want to get rid of borders because borders are a an authority. and the people in mm-hmm. authority are not making good choices. And so it's it's kind of this pure, I don't know pure communism or pure uh, that's not communism. Maybe it's even pure socialism, but it, it's this this purity of, you know, for the people. Because, see, the problem with any political ideology is that the people who run it are people <laughs> and they're human. And so there's going to be some not good people in there and there's going to be people making compromises in there and there's going to be people who have suspect motivations in there. So, I mean, my question Which? is, okay, what the, if the flag, flag smashers get what they want, who's who's in charge? Them, because look at her. She's making compromises already. She is in the well, camp of the, might makes right.
1: That's the whole. That's the whole problem with vigilantes and rebellions. And even though she was a upstart rebellious leader in Solo, she's still a rebellious leader. And so, how do you? Who's in charge after they win?
0: And what makes that person? or per group of people better than who was in charge. Right. And, you know, hopefully you have some checks and balances. That's why, you know, I feel like democracy has some issues, representational democracy. There's issues at that. Uh, but there is at least some form of people having a voice in that, that you don't get in some other political ideologies. But even then, you know, the, people don't make good choices (laughs) and, and Carly's showing, can she be a, be a better leader than what she's pushing against? Well, I'm not convinced.
1: I don't think she can. I think it is possible too, but it's slow. It's very, it's a slow moving um, change. It doesn't happen overnight. Not the way she wants it anyway.
0: Sam what do you think
1: so i'm I'm
2: sitting here trying to think of what to say and then of course you guys are saying what I'm thinking so and I'm also trying not to get super political because we're not a political podcast um, but this show is saying political political things it
0: is it is i I think that the politics of this show well the stuff we're talking about right now I think is general enough that yeah I I do know there are people who look at their leaders and, and venerate them and, and say, well, no, not mine. Like they're perfect, but like there's, there's no one's perfect. No one's good. I mean, I shouldn't say no one's good, but no one's perfect. Well, and there are, we all have weaknesses and we all mm-hmm. make decisions in the midst of weakness. And, you know, we just went through this whole Covid thing, and there was a lot of poor decision making happening, and some of it was because of poor information, and some of it was because of you know poor motivation. But all of it, I think, most of it anyway, came from the right place. People wanting to help, people wanting to do right, but then it goes off the rails in some areas, and and I just I don't trust people. I'll just say that as, as much as I want to, I don't. And I think maybe I, I share Carly's uh, cynicism there.
1: Well, you, you also share Nick Fury's cynicism. That's true. I like true. people, I just didn't trust them very much. You know, I, what's interesting to me about the MCU, as opposed to other superhero franchises, is that the MCU is is grounded in this very strict reality. I mean, it doesn't stray out of the confines of what we see and feel. Unless it does and then it's very supernatural. You know, like we don't actually have Thor a Norse god coming down and and battling, you know, demons or whatever. But, other than that, I mean, it's really like this bound to reality type of thing. And so, if the super soldier serum actually existed, I could totally see them uh, experimenting on people without telling them and 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 moving into a, a situation where people aren't being told all the information.
0: Um, well, if half that, a billion that did happen. Like yeah. that's, that's just it. Like the whole Isaiah Bradley story is believable, unfortunately, because stuff like that, not super soldier stuff, but stuff like that.
1: Well, yeah, happened. yeah, yeah. You know, I can't think of specific examples, but without sounding like an idiot, <laughs> um, but I know that there has been some um, because th- people have agendas. That's what civil war was about. You know, uh, when when Steve Rogers says the best hands are our own um, and and Natasha counters with at least if we have one hand on the steering wheel, they're both coming from a place of, you know, trying to do what's right in in a tough situation.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, kind of going back to Isaiah Bradley and, and what's so what's cool about the mcu and a lot of what we're talking about is the personal stories Mm -hmm. and then also this kind of science fiction extrapolation of the real world and and we've talked about this before too where star trek is in twilight zone and these different you know stories and movies and and tv shows and that sort of thing they're able to make commentary on our world by taking these science fiction ideas like the super soldier serum right the Tuskegee thing that we were talking about, that was where they actually, without telling a bunch of African-American men, um, they did experiments on them for, I think it was syphilis. And like it was bad and it had lifelong consequences for them, including some of them dying. I don't know all the, the different um, numbers and everything like that. But the, the point is that's something that happened for real and the CIA has you know experimented on people with 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 some drug experiments and things like that and so you have these things that you get to you can see in the real world the problem is I shouldn't say this is a problem the difference here is you know we have the science fiction idea that we're exploring and then we also have this real world connection that it's really close to real world And Isaiah Bradley, his whole thing does go back to a comic book, which I believe is actually called Truth. I believe that comic book series was called Captain America Truth or something like that. Um, Yeah,
1: Truth, like red, white and black or something like that. Yeah, I just saw that
0: today. The point being, this does get political and it does have some political things that are a little more specific and less general. Uh, But again, they tend to be in this show tend to be more the human rights side of things rather than the right versus left. Uh, I'm sure that you could take it a little deeper than we are and, and find plenty of right versus left kind of stuff that, that might be here. But if you're looking at it, just surface level, general level, you're seeing it's it's humanism versus dehumanism. <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of the, the biggest thing that's happening here. And and then you get Isaiah Bradley's story and it's a dehumanizing story. Well, again, it's hitting a little close to home, especially just with our own current events and the things that were happening, you know, in the middle of, you know, the year last year. And there's things that this show is reflecting for sure. For sure. Um. Yeah. You guys have anything more to say about that?
2: Well, I was just thinking about, and this comes in a conversation towards the end of the episode between Sam and Bucky about how, when Steve was thinking about handing the shield over to Sam, that he and Bucky did not really consider the consequences of being a super, a black superhero as Captain America. Um, And, well, it does connect because um, we're talking about Isaiah and what he went through. I mean, that's essentially what they were trying to do with Isaiah and his unit were trying to make super soldiers that were American soldiers that were fighting for America. But in the end, they were just test subjects and it went wrong.
0: Well, and how interesting is it? And obviously the writer's write the thing you know this is all made up by someone and so they can make it tie in directly as as directly or indirectly as they want but his whole story about what got him in trouble in the first place that put him in prison for 30 years and then they were experimenting on him more during that time that whole story is his guys were lost behind enemy lines they were captured he left without permission and goes and rescues them. There's some sort of amazing, exciting adventure, and they got back. And he was told he couldn't do it because they they're lost. They're just lost. Forget about them.
2: Oh but no, you missed a big, big detail. They the government wanted to destroy the POW camp where the other super soldiers were yeah, to I, hide the evidence.
0: I missed that detail on purpose, though, because oh, okay. yeah, because. Everything I just described is exactly what Steve Rogers did when he first exactly. did his first mission, quote unquote, as Captain America.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: It's the same and- exact situation. Now, that detail that you added there, Samantha, is what made it a very different situation. <laughs> is To uh, hide the evidence. Well, I mean, that yeah.
2: is just stomach churning to think about. I mean, it's. They're not just soldiers. They're human lives. They're people with families back home.
0: So Steve Rogers does it and he's a hero and everyone's so excited. And, and, and Isaiah Bradley does it and he's getting in the way of, um, a government cover up. and, you know, they, they never wanted him obviously to, to rescue them because then they can't blow up the camp.
1: What war do we think Isaiah Bradley was doing that in? Korea. Korea. Korea? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm, okay. Because it was in Korea where he met Bucky. He was in Korea. Oh,
1: that's right. Yeah. Okay. I didn't... I. It's been a while since I mentioned that, and I don't know as much about the Korean War as I do, like, the Vietnam War. And yeah. so... I mean, like... It,
2: Oh, Korea like, but, is considered the forgotten war. True. Yeah.
1: But it also goes back to the idea that uh, you know, in World War II, we idolize um, all of the soldiers and all of the 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 heroes who fought in on in D Day In Normandy. Like all of that is held up on a pedestal, and then like for Vietnam. <sighs> It's not for whatever reason, and I don't want to get into that, but it's not. And so the government is not as uh, shining of a beacon of right. The United States is not as a shining a beacon of light in the Vietnam War, and also I guess Korea too in in popular culture. And that's an interesting sort of thread to pull, but I don't want to pull it now because I don't think it would go very well.
0: <laughs> well, but that's that's the other thing is the way our nation treated our veterans. Yeah. Um when they came back, it was very different. It was there were parades with World War II. There were you know protests in in vietnam you know as far as the, the soldiers coming back and what was hardest about it was you may believe that the vietnam war was not a just war but the guys coming back from that war were coming back and and people in their own community were turning their backs on them you know and not everyone not all of them you know some of them came back and they they had support that they needed from their family and friends but um but there was definitely a very different response to the war and, and some of it has to do with uh, how much of it was televised and some of it has to do with how much they were able to see what was going on behind the scenes politically. Uh, The thing about Korea is it wasn't as, as big or as, um, as well known. Yeah. uh, Would you call it the, the invisible war or the forgotten war? The
2: Forgotten war. Yeah. Well, my older brother, he was in the army. He also spent a year stationed in South Korea. He's also a veteran of the war in Iraq. He was in the Red Zone in Baghdad. And he also spent a year in Afghanistan. And he looks at those two zones, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, he compares them a lot to the Second World War and the Korean War because. When he was in Iraq, everything was organized. They had great leadership. When he got to Afghanistan, he had terrible leadership. He described his experience with the leadership in Afghanistan to revert to Lord of of the Flies situation because um, well, there's a whole lot that that I really should not get into, but that's essentially what happened. And um, so he, and since then, he's become sort of like this. He's really delved into military history and he and he said that, you know, when the United States was in the Second World War, it was very organized, had great leadership, but that leadership left the military and the guys that were brought in for the Korean War were not as well trained, the leadership was tired and didn't really care for the guys under them as much and it it became sort of a lord of the fly situation and there were were a lot of issues there. And because at that point, America wanted to move on from war. That's why they were forgotten. Um, but I, I, I wish my brother was here, but if he was, um, he could go on for an hour about it. And that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, you know, and it, it's interesting, like this, this like double layer of forgotten, terrible experiences, the Korean War and the black experience in America. I mean, and that's what Isaiah has come to represent.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, one of the things I was thinking about, especially with the Isaiah Bradley thing is um, this and, and a watchman was another thing that that caused a lot of people, even more so than the conversation I'm seeing online about this. But watchman had some references to the Tuskegee uh, situation. And, you know, it brings awareness to some realities that we rather not maybe think about because it's horrible to it's just horrible. Um, what becomes interesting for me as I'm thinking about this is, you know, we're three people here, all three of us are white. Um, and you know, so we're watching this show and and I was trying to think through like, well, what's this conversation going to look like with the three of us, you know, and, um, a big part of it is, you know, talking about the awareness and talking about how it feels for us. Um, But I'm curious, like and I'd like to, you know, hear from people who are watching this with the black experience behind them and um and watching that the the tonal shift. Like it was very curious for me to see like the whole Isaiah Bradley stuff, what it did for Sam as he is processing it, dealing with it and dealing with all this new information and, and dealing with being told no self-respecting black man would be captain America. And after being told, you know, they'd, they'd never let you do it anyway. And, and what does he do with that? And, and it was, you know, so I'm sitting back watching it and I'm like, I'm I, I'm curious, like what, well, what is an African-American viewer thinking right now? And, you trying to imagine that. And so it just becomes something where, yeah, it's, it's only imagination right now, as far as like what, um, what would be said there. So if there is anyone listening that would like to chime in, we would appreciate that. Um, whether it was a voicemail or an email or um, possibly even uh, finding a way to maybe bring you on mic and allow you to speak to that f- with us because I like to hear because all I can do is synthesize the, the because there's a general human human experience that we all kind of share um, but then there's also that very specific experience that that we just haven't experienced.
1: yeah, I'll second that. I mean, one of the things this this show is doing is is confronting that, but then, also seems like it's trying to move on past that, you know, um, at the end when Sarah and, um, uh, Sam are sitting down almost ready to paint the boat and she's like, you know, Isaiah Bradley doesn't know anything. You, you do you big bro. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it, she didn't say that. And I, and I, I quoted a lot of things, but I didn't quote that uh, in my notes. Um, But she basically says, you know, you got to move on. You know, what are you going to do? How are you going to fight this battle? You know, and then that sends him into another montage.
0: Right, right. Well, and that's what I'm talking about, the general human experience. Like, what she's saying there is very specific to his situation, which also speaks to, um, you know, that specific reference that they are referencing to the real world. But then it also can speak to us generally as well. Where – You have to do your best. Like no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, all you can do is your best. And it has to be your best. I can't do Stuart's best or Samantha's best because I'm not Stuart or Samantha. And so there are going to be things that you're going to be able to do better than I am. And there are things that I'm going to be able to do better than you. And all we can do is do our best as we are confronting evils in this world, as we are confronting problems and 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 you know personal issues and, and and our own personal failings and weaknesses and and all we can do is use our strengths to confront the weaknesses of ourself the weaknesses of the world and and really deal with the community and the place where we are and and that's one of the things that i do appreciate about the younger generation right now is that there is a whole lot of younger people standing up and saying, I do want to do things to make the world better. And yeah, whatever, whatever jokes you want to make about millennials and generation Z um, that is one big, big thing that that is very, very noticeable. They They do want to make things better.
1: And they don't put up with, <laughs> and they don't put up with old thinking. I mean, if you're yeah. not if you're not on board with, you know, not being a jerk to people, which is their sort of words. I'm, using, I'm paraphrasing my 14 year old right now. <laughs> if you're not on board with sort of like not gatekeeping and not or if you are on board with gatekeeping, that doesn't fly with them. If you're on board with being a jerk to people, that doesn't fly with them.
0: The danger is the Carly situation where Carly does not want people telling her what to do you know or or whatever it might be but she is going to turn around and and hurt people like she's really you know and so that is the if i'm going to point out a a negative thing about the younger generation fortunately i'm not calling out the younger generation because it's every generation but (laughs) when the people who when when people get in power They tend to do the same thing that the previous people did. You know, and Uh, and,
1: right. Because because a lot of times that's the only example that keeps getting passed through, right? Right, right. Because if you look at
0: if you look at politicians my age, when those politicians were younger with me, the conversations we were having was how bad the old people were. You know, and how (laughs) they were doing a terrible job running the country. And now that same conversation is being had by the people who are 20 years old about the people who are 45 years old (laughs) and older. And it's because it's, it's the family ties problem where the whole, the show family ties was meant to be a show about two hippies who became yuppies and who had to deal with the fact that um, they, they lost, they didn't necessarily lose their way, but how do they navigate the world having become the thing that they hate and yeah it's it's the cycle it's the circle of life
1: (laughs) the circle of life okay
0: um let's talk about some more fun stuff can we
1: talk about something else
0: (laughs) let's talk about some punchy punchy stuff let's talk about john walker and oh
1: you uh, you think that's more fun
2: yeah (laughs) i'd rather go to louisiana (laughs)
1: well louisiana is very pretty and they got some good food so let's and go to
2: louisiana communities. yeah and, i'll meet
0: you there and, and all right Vince. we can go yeah. to, let's go to louisiana all right i mean we gotta go we gotta go back to uh to john walker and talk about that whole thing but
1: yeah right here's what i gotta say about here's what i gotta say about that whole that whole boat that whole scene with the you know, fixing of the boat and Sam and Bucky talking in the um talking in the uh, in front of the house and all that. Be like Sarah, be like Sam, be like the Wilson family. If you see somebody needing help, give your kids a lunch so that other kids get lunch. Be good people.
2: Yeah, and they're examples of a true community. Um because a true community helps those who are without in one area or another and it's good to keep doing that because eventually those individuals individuals that are helping will need help and that'll encourage everybody else to come in and say yeah of course I'll help you because you've been so good to me and and that's actually a really great definition of community and charity
0: <laughs> I was having flashbacks to it's a wonderful life. (laughs) Uh,
2: You got a little, little Capra-esque there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know at the end of it's a wonderful life where everyone's coming in and helping him out. Why? Because he helped them out, you know, and it was was this communal thing. Uh, And I would then say, let's build on what I was saying about be the best you, you can be. It's also better if you're being able to be the best you that you can be along with a bunch of other people who are being the best them that they can be. Mm -hmm. And, and then Yeah, it's don't go it alone. And
1: it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. You know, that was um, a huge, yeah. When, I think that was a big turning point. I didn't even realize it until literally just the second when Sam goes, how many people need help? You know, how many people owe mom and dad? She's like, everybody. He's like, well, that's what we're going to do. That's a huge thing, and I think a lot of people, especially Americans and especially powerful Americans like Sam, right, who's an Avenger, don't know when to ask for help. Yeah, he went to the bank, but I still think he was trying to, like, cash in on being Falcon.
0: Well, that was him saying, I'm going to fix this. We're going to go and do this, and I'm going to make this happen.
1: Right. And so, when he called everybody in the Rolodex and he went, "You know, this is me. This is you know uh, somebody's kid from up the road. I need some help. That's very humbling, very humbling, which in turn helped him i I think he was only able to help Bucky in that in that conversation because he had a big dose of humility. and and, and so when 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 He's like, do you want to have a tough conversation? I don't think he could have had that conversation with him two episodes ago.
0: Oh, absolutely so that- not. No, no. They didn't have a relationship for it. Oh, Another yeah, life lesson. You are able to have difficult conversations when you are able to build the relationship with the people who need to have a conversation.
1: This is an episode of life lessons.
0: It is. I actually heard a phrase this morning. I might have heard this phrase before, um, but the, the phrase was people are looking to be connected with not corrected people want to be connected not corrected and once you build that connection that's when you're able to step up and do the correction you know cuz you're going to listen to me if if i if i have something to say to you where i'm like dude you made a huge mistake and you you've got to stop doing this you know that kind of thing if we're friends it's going to land a lot better than if You know, the only the only conversations we've ever had have been conflict, you know, or or me judging you.
1: I was actually having a conversation um, a while ago with a uh, uh, another manager of young people. And this person was going off about how young people are lazy and all that sort of stuff. And I said, well, I, I don't know that that's true. And again, she was referring to specifically this millennial, you know, 18-year-old first entering the workforce. And I said, I don't know that that's true. I think they're more so looking to build a community. So when they're talking on their phone, they're doing like seven different things at once, part of which is building a community. So if you can tap into that, you've just doubled your workforce. And this landed actually kind of positively because I do think young people want to be connected with instead of corrected
0: yeah and once you make that connection that's when correction lands much better Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and for bucky it did you know (laughs) yeah let's also talk about well there's the we have training montage in this episode
2: training montage we also have a little flirtation between bucky and sarah and during the, the boat down.
0: montage, yeah.
2: Yeah, during the boat montage.
0: <laughs> now Sam puts the kibosh on that pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, yes, but you like, know, if Sarah so. had anything to say about it, if she, if she, if Sarah steps into that, heard that, I'm sure she would say, Sam, step away. Not This is not your business.
1: <laughs> Just like the water pump, leave now. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, she... she He respects her, she respects him, but she doesn't let him boss her around.
1: What I love about that is she is a, uh, you know, and I don't want to use the term strong black female because i mean she is but let's not define her like that she's just a strong character period she's a strong character she is a strong head of household she runs that household well yes the boys do have a little bit of you know rebellious side i remember like the first episode you know they were all okay one two three go play video games now yeah okay fine but she runs that household very well and she runs a business on the side. You know, yeah. that's a huge it's not easy running a no. business on the side and running a household. Um and props to her for doing it. It's probably easier for Sam to leave and go fight bad guys and do barrel rolls in the sky. It is probably easier for him to do that. Yeah. than it is for her to run a run a business and 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 keep it afloat
0: literally because it's a bomb. <laughs> yeah.
2: but then again you got to think about you know she's doing all this really tough stuff but I watched this I, I watched her relationship with her boys in this episode and I'm like there's two boys their father may have died but those two boys are going to be fine because what is their mother teaching them in this episode it's to look out for their friends and to take care of their friends when they're in need even if they won't ask for it And they're like, sure, mom. Yeah. And they just take the lunches and go.
1: The one thing I, 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 I mean, if I was to caution her on anything, which I wouldn't, because let's be honest, I know my place in this world. um, But it would be to ask for help, right? She's not teaching the boys to ask for help. And that's a huge thing that I don't think is taught enough in our current society is the ability to yes, definitely help one another, but then also if you need help, you gotta ask for it sometimes. Yeah, and
2: there's also an issue too on in in this community. You know, everybody's on the same level; everyone's working class. But there's also a lesson of when someone comes to you asking for help, and you're in power, it's your because you're in power, you're you're it's your responsibility to look out after those who are the backbone of your society. So essentially what I'm saying is they should have gotten that loan in the the beginning of the series and the powers that be didn't grant them the loan.
1: I hope in the end of the series, he goes back to that banker and is like, what up now I got all my Wakanda stuff. No, I don't need your loan. I got all my Wakanda stuff.
0: (laughs) We talked about that fun stuff. Should we talk about the not fun stuff that I think is fun stuff to talk about? Or do we want to talk about? Elaine? There's some
2: fun stuff mixed in with John Walker's
0: situation, uh, and, you know, and like, John Walker's going to get us to Elaine. But yeah. the the big fight <laughs> that was that was a big fun fight. It was yeah, a little brutal, and there was a broken yeah, arm right. in there. But you get to see Sam using wing. his flight suit in a way that was very very cool. Bucky's using his arm. And and John Walker's using the shield and doing a good job using that shield. Good job, buddy. Nice work.
1: It's very reminiscent of the final battle in Civil War. Very reminiscent of it. I mean, probably because there's two guys, a shield and Bucky or three guys, a shield and Bucky. But still, I mean, if if it's not purposefully evoking that thought it, they did it subconsciously.
2: Earlier you were talking about creating a sense of community and then asking for the change. And earlier in this episode, um, Sam and Bucky go in to talk to John to get the shield from him. And they try to come to him reasonably, but they, I don't think they created a sense of community that sense of community that he needed. Because, I mean earlier they were just kind of turning a cold shoulder to him, and so he didn't feel like he he could trust them when they come to him
1: He also wasn't offering a sense of community either. No. it was very much his way or the highway, yeah, and he was quite he could have he was quite condescending
2: earlier the season too towards yeah. them
0: also yeah. he yeah. was pretty amped up, I mean. Yeah, he, that too. He had just gotten done killing a person. And and the adrenaline was there and, and the rage and, and all of that was there. He had lost Lamar. I mean, it was a it was a big deal. Like, everything was going on here. Um, he fights them. He loses. And they get the shield. And they walk away with that symbol of, of Captain America. And... Yeah. And then he has to go and talk to Lamar's parents, lie to them, specifically saying like, uh, I, I killed the one who killed him. I wouldn't have ever let the person who killed him get away. It was him. That was bad. And then of course we get the end credit scene where he is forging his own shield because Elaine told him it's okay, you don't need the shield.
2: Yeah.
0: And well, it's a legal gray area in- anyway. The government doesn't actually own it, so that Sam could walk away with it, and it was okay, because the government didn't actually own it.
2: Well, compared to what he's using, which I'm sure is a high-grade steel of some sort, or maybe even Kevlar, uh, whatever he's using, I'm pretty sure in the MCU, does not hold up compared to vibranium.
0: No. And that's one of the things that happens in the comics is, um, a U S agent, John Walker doesn't have the actual shield. And so he, his shield gets destroyed and lost. And it's cause it's, it's not Captain America's shield.
2: Yeah. And I sent you guys a meme recently where it's the first, um, uh, frame is of John Walker making the shield. And then you, the second frame is the shield itself and it's made out of cardboard. So I think that's pretty, that's, I mean, that's, it, it's a bit of an extreme, but pretty much that's what he's got working with. That's what he's pretty much working with right now.
1: So I have, I have two, two thoughts on this. Um, and it, they might spiral into longer conversations and I apologize. Um, but I guess that's what we're here for, right? Yep. So the first one is the shield that John Walker had that ended up, the original shield that was given to Sam is not the same shield that Steve Rogers had all the way through end game. They got destroyed in end game. It's not the one that captain, the one that Steve gave to Sam has a, a thin pinstripe around the white edge and the stars are outlined. The star is outlined. There's not more than one star. So that's a really interesting thing. It makes me wonder if that's Isaiah Bradley's shield. Because when you see him, he's like, no, leave that in the thing. I don't want to see it.
2: Well, the shield that that Steve Rogers used in Endgame was not the Captain America shield. He used a Wakandan shield that they gave him.
1: It's still not the shield from First Avenger, even.
2: Okay, yeah. But yeah, that's, I, now I see what you mean.
1: So, so it makes me wonder: Are are we just chalking this up to stunt casting, or is this actually meaning something specific? Um, and number two is, I'm going to pull a quote from a movie, and I'm going to—you guys are going to know what it is—but I think it applies to John Walker. In sort of this weird twisted way in his mind i think this applies to him so the quote is compromise where you can but when you can't even if ever don't even if everyone is telling you that something is wrong something wrong is something right even if the whole world is telling you to move it is your duty to plant yourself like a tree then look them in the eye and say no you move He knows beyond a fiber of a doubt that he is Captain America. He is not Captain America, but he knows that he is. So he is telling the whole world, no, you move. It is very interesting when you take that thing that Sharon Carter said basically to Steve Rogers and you apply it to John Walker. You know, he's going under the same assumptions. He's just kind of delusional in his processes. It's, it's really fascinating how well this story intertwines with civil war. Yeah. And it makes civil war better to me. You know, every time I watch that movie, it gets better.
2: Yeah. Though there was one line during the fight that really caught my attention that John said, and he's beating uh, Bucky and he's saying, why are you making me do this? Only certain people who have a certain level of or a certain lack of a, of a level of self-responsibility would blame others for their own actions. He could have John could have stopped at that moment and stopped hitting Bucky, but he kept hitting Bucky just because he didn't want to give up, give up the shield. And it honestly, he was acting a bit childish in that moment. Not a bit, a lot.
0: I will be the one who will always step up and slightly defend John Walker. Um, and that is because. It's not to defend who he is and what he's doing as right, but as understandable. Again, he has the serum coursing through his veins. It's turned him into, you know, it's, it's brought out these stronger qualities in him that are not positive. And it's, it's, I, I, I don't see him being childish. I see him being out of control. I see him being, um, physically out of control. The chemicals in his body are, are taking him to places where he has it's compromise. He has been compromised. Carly, compromising. Um, John Walker, he's compromised. Bucky, even to an extent, Bucky and Sam, although Sam didn't approve, but working with Zemo is a compromise. And allowing Zemo to do bad things to get the good results, it's compromise. And this is where I'm I'm watching and, and just this is fascinating storytelling. It's good storytelling. And I just, the, the John Walker story, I know people don't like him. I know when I try and explain to my kids why I actually kind of like his story arc, they're like, no, we hate him. We hate him. I'm like, it's good. It's all good. It's okay. You're supposed to, you know, it's, it's okay. But I am loving his story arc because he's that, he's a better flip side of Captain America than, than the Red Skull was. Because yeah. he yeah. is. Absolutely. I, I, I. I love his story arc here because it's kind of there before the grace of God, kind of a thing mm-hmm. where you're able to look at that and say, "Okay, well, what if, what if my weakest, or what if my worst characteristics, the things that just drive people nuts, that drive me nuts about me, what if this those just got amplified to eleven? Mm-hmm. You know, like ask yourself that question. It, it, it would be as bad as what you're seeing here with John Walker." you know and yeah. and that's that's good storytelling and it's exciting storytelling it's 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 storytelling that gets me excited to see what's going to happen i was saying you know i i'm really curious to see if they can do a redemption story with him and my kids are like we don't want that <laughs> like we, we don't want him to get a redemption story because he doesn't deserve it you know he deserves to die and i'm just like you know that's that's what they've built there somewhat with the story but then again kind of transferring that mcu magical storytelling to our real world and and you know looking at our own weaknesses and looking at when we let ourselves be ruled by um what you know whatever addiction it might be or whatever it might be yeah um it's not good and and do we deserve that redemption do we deserve redemption for our worst day and and that's what's happening you know for so many people they're they're there's also so many people out there who are getting judged for their worst day because that's the thing that, that goes up in social media and that people see. And, and, and for some people it might be deserved because while it's maybe that's not their worst day, it's actually just the only day they got caught on camera and it's actually a mediocre day for them. And, you're, and maybe they deserve, deserve some of what they get, but um, man, you know, to, to have your, your worst moment, be what defines you and not just in social media, but you know, in your friend group or in your family or in your community, like that's, that's horrible, you know? And, and so I'm watching this and and the storytelling opportunities here are just exciting to me. And I'm I'm curious where they're going to go with it.
1: Yeah. I mean, go ahead, Samantha.
2: Well, it's just, I literally had someone say those exact words to me. Why are you making me do this? Under, very difficult circumstances and what i s- saw in this epi- this moment in this episode i have flashed back to that moment with this other person in real life and that's why i draw i drew the conclusion that the that john was not being responsible for his own actions because in that moment the person i was really speaking to was not being responsible for their own actions
0: and you're not I, I yeah. hope I didn't make it sound like you're wrong there because you're not wrong. He's not in control but he's, he's not he's let himself lose control I mean he he made decisions that brought him to that point
2: right and you're not wrong I mean he is a better villain because he's a flip side of Steve Rogers and he's relatable. In many ways. Yeah. Red Skull, I I really I I cannot relate to a Nazi. Okay. I'm sorry. I I just cannot relate to a Nazi. But John Walker I can relate to.
0: And how different is, you know, so John Walker says, why are you making me do this? Steve Rogers says, I can do this all day. You know, it's it's the same kind of sentiment of, you know, I'm gonna keep doing this as long as I have to. But with Steve Rogers, it's I'm making this choice. And if you keep doing what you're doing, I'm keeping doing what I'm doing. Steve doesn't say why are you making me do this. Steve says I'm doing this, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and of course, also Steve was saying it from a position of weakness, and and John Walker is saying it from a position of power.
2: Right, because he he was he was giving Bucky in that moment a beat down. Probably the only kind of beat down that he's. Well, probably the only ones who have beat him down that bad have either been other Winter Soldiers or Aliens. Yeah.
1: Or, or Wizards. <laughs> or
0: Wizards. <laughs>
1: or wizards <yeah. laughs> so, um, what's interesting about what you guys were just talking about is Steve showed restraint. You know, when he had Tony pinned, right? Tony's suit of armor was completely thrashed. Steve could have killed tony in that moment the the shield the you know one swift blow to the head and done right but he decided not to he he took the the arc reactor out so yeah steve showed restraint it makes me wonder if steve had not gone to the uh um the the recruitment center at the stark expo back in the winter, or first Avenger, what, 12 years ago now? Would have, would, like, Gilmore Hodge been Captain America? And if he was, would we have seen him be a much similar case to John Walker than to Steve Rogers? I don't know. I love, I, I'm, on, I'm on board that. with you, Stan. I love the idea that these, that, that, uh, of the storytelling possibilities that John Walker is presenting. I don't personally think he needs to die because I don't like to see anybody die. I think he's a broken individual and I have pity for him. But that's where my, I mean, my empathy brain goes right to that. So, you know, I, that, that's a me thing.
0: Yeah. Um, well, and that's, that's the whole, Hurting people hurt people, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, that's, it's a truism. It's a cliche, but it's a truism and a cliche because there's a lot of truth behind it. And, you know, it's, it's something that um, it's an unfortunate reality, but hopefully it helps us again. It, it all comes down to understanding and that's, you know, that's another thing that takes the, the difference between Sam and John, you know, Sam seeks understanding. Sam wants to talk, you know, he, he goes to Carly and it's like, come let us, let's, let's reason together, you know? And, and John comes to Carly and says, Hey, let's punch, you know, but don't punch me too hard because you're a super soldier and I'm not until I am. And then he's more, more into the the punchy punch.
2: I think what John Walker really needs right now are a few sessions with Bucky's therapist. But I, I think that at this point at least, he's, he's, his life is salvageable. So I, I think he can turn back to the good. I, I think he just needs a little bit of help. Or a lot. But I'll leave that up to a therapist.
1: Well, he needs someone to reach out towards him and say, you're hurting. I will help you. Here's my number. Call me when you're not hurting, or you or you're hurt so bad that you can't call anybody else. Right. You know, and and that's kind of what, or that's exactly what Sam gave Bucky at the end when he's like, um, "It it doesn't matter what Steve thought, you know." And then he's like, "Do you want some tough love?" I mean, this that in that moment. Sam becomes a fantastic character and a very real character, very three dimensional character. Which, you know, for all the character love we've given all these characters for how many years in in the MCU, um, that's the first time I've ever seen one that I can remember who wears empathy like a badge. You know, and and that's one of the things I love about Sam is that he's got this empathetic side to him that some of the other um, MCU characters don't, um, and I think that's what's going to propel the MCU into the future to see where you know Sam Wilson takes us. Hashtag Team Sam.
2: <laughs> I think we're all Team Sam here.
1: Yeah, I'm and Team I'm not John. About myself. Okay, not really.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right, Ben.
2: <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to need that other uh, imaginary twenty-four
0: seventy-five. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about the person who came to talk to John. So Elaine comes to talk to John. (laughs) This is an interesting development where we have, uh, again, I don't have, I don't have her name off the top of my head.
1: Fantessa
2: Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Or you can just call her Val. But you can't really say that. Just say it in in
0: your head. It's not not like she gives you a chance to talk anyway.
2: Right.
0: So in the comic books, uh, DeFontaine is actually, she's been around S.H.I.E.L.D. since the beginning. And we have already seen a, a variation on this character in the MCU, in Ada. Ada became, in the framework, Madam Hydra. Now, Valentina Allegra DeFontaine was Madam Hydra for a while. There's mm. been a couple different Madam Hydras, but it doesn't mean she's in Hydra now, because as we've seen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Hydra isn't doing too good. And as we've seen in the MCU, we haven't seen any indication that Hydra's around. Um, she might be something different or new. She might be part of something different or new here. Um, you know, I honestly, could it be, be could she be the power broker uh, I think there is a actually a very strong possibility that it still could be your general Ross but it could be her I mean she comes on the scene and just takes over and yeah fantastic moment fantastic scene um she both by the way I didn't realize that that the woman from uh, episode two. Of the series was actually John Walker's wife, um,
2: Olivia. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I I didn't realize it was his wife. I knew that there was a connection. They knew each other in high school. Figured they were just part of that that friend group with Lamar. But apparently, there's a little bit more than that, as far as the friend group <laughs> and the two of them. But um, yeah, and she's gonna give him a call. So. There's some interesting possibilities there.
2: Yeah, and I mentioned earlier, she walked in there even before you saw her. You just heard the click of her e- heels. There was some bad guy energy walking into that room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And did you notice the uh, blue stripe in her hair? That was very comic booky, made real, and it looked really good. It looked evil, and uh, it was it, it was really it was very well done. This this. Um, realization of this character.
0: Well, she's often um, portrayed with this uh, dark hair, but also a streak of white kind of a thing. Okay. So.
2: I also want to note uh, Wyatt Russell's acting in the scene. When she walks in, she doesn't let either of them talk, but his all he's doing is just sitting there with his jaw hang, hanging open. And I think... This is his best acting in the entire series. It's just him sitting there listening. And it's hilarious if you go back and watch it.
0: Because
2: yeah. it, it does this punch of comedy in the middle of all of this this um, stress that he's been emoting the entire episode.
1: What I find real interesting is I see Kurt Russell every now and again just for a flash. <laughs> yeah. And then I see and then I see Wyatt take over. And so, like, in the courtroom scene, or in the court-martial scene, where he's exploding at the judges, it, you you hear Kurt Russell even for a second. And then Wyatt takes over, and I, I'd i be hard-pressed, but I think Wyatt might be a better actor. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, I mean, his dad is mostly known for comedies and action things.
1: The computer who wore tennis shoes... Was yeah. A tour de force. Isn't I mean, that also on Disney Plus?
0: I believe it is. Maybe.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: but yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to stop comparing Wyatt to his father, but he does take after his father an awful lot. But that's not exactly an insult. That's actually a really great compliment. But Absolutely. I, I would love to see Absolutely. Wyatt do more stuff. I mean, I'd like to see him be more
1: visible. Um, oh i think uh, i think he's yeah. got a, a very long career in front of him i mean he's a fantastic actor mm-hmm. just just brilliant i mean he knows how to do like you're saying he knows how to do the small things like listen and then the huge things like take somebody down with a shield <laughs> you know well that and, also and,
2: comes down to you know your stunt team and
1: well know, but but and- like but at the end of the day, the nugget of that, the central core of that is his his acting and, and his um, ability to emote that.
2: Yeah. And I think he's very lucky because he has two parents that are fantastic actors. And in my opinion, if you can do comedy, I mean, you're you're a fantastic actor because comedy is the hardest kind of acting there is to do. I mean, I could do drama all day long, but me and comedic timing, I am not just that good. So I admire anyone who can do comedy. So when I was watching that scene with him talking to Val and she was just talking, 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 he's looking at her like, what the heck is going on here? I just lost it. And I think he was able to find this moment of comedy in a space where he the character was very, very tense. I think he saw that... His this character's perspective was turned on its head and he could do what he felt was right in that moment. I think instinctively he did the right thing, which was just kind of look at her like she was nuts. And it was it was just hilarious and fantastic.
0: Real quick. One more thing about um, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, first of all, she was very much a love interest for Nick Fury. In the Ooh. comics um and again john stranko it was kind of john stranko um jim stranko sorry jim stranko had her her very beginning of his nick fury agent of shield situation where because nick fury was in uh it was sergeant fury in world war ii and then he became the super spy in the um, Agents, of Sh- Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. situation. Ah, I keep saying situation. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series that they had going on with Nick Fury. Um, also played by Elaine Julia Louis-Dreyfus who has a connection to another Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Do you know what it is?
2: Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. The um, New Adventures
0: of Old Christine Her ex-husband uh, her ex-husband oh. was good old Phil Coulson himself. That's
2: right. I went to Gary Shandling, but I was like, no, he's Hydra.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it was her show. Um, and yeah.
2: But I, I've actually never seen that show.
0: <laughs> I only saw a few episodes. Um, but yeah, it was.
2: Yeah, I've heard very good things about that show, though.
0: So. Yeah. So there's, there's some possibilities with her. There is, there are rumors that she was actually uh, in the black widow movie. And I don't know if, if that is a case, the case or not, but in that, in that case, we might see her in an earlier uh, part of her life because the black widow movie is not concurrent with Falcon and winter soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is when she says, The best thing, second best decision you ever made in your life um, is answering the call call when I call you. Will that be um, when she calls him to do bad guy stuff or will that be when she calls him to do um, more underhanded good guy stuff? Like we we don't know yet. If she's the power broker, it'll be bad guy stuff. (laughs) But but if it's not, which we, we might be proven to be wrong. But,
1: a lot's going to happen in that last episode. Like that last episode better be like four and a half hours.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, let's see what else.
0: Okay. The big thing I want to talk about is Zemo. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say that's my
2: next thing is Zemo. Yeah. We haven't talked yeah, about yeah, that. That was yet.
0: a big, big part of this episode. Um, I like that it kind of references back to, again, uh, Civil War. Only this time he's not holding the gun on himself. It's it's Bucky. Um the whole setup and the drama of that scene was a little bit goofy. Like did Bucky really need to hold the gun on him and pull the trigger and, and go through the whole charade charade? Did you think charade.
1: Bucky was going to shoot him?
2: No, because he has this code now. He doesn't hurt or he doesn't no one gets hurt. I think that's rule number two, right? Yeah, but but
0: he's broken that rule. Yeah, he, yeah, he's totally broken that rule. But I, I don't but know. But who's
2: going to take down a, a super soldier gun? bad? Hmm. You know?
0: But it does go back to our conversation about the Deja Melange. No, again, that's Dora Melange.
2: Dora Melange, yeah.
0: I don't know. Okay, yeah. Anyway, where the question was, are they coming after him for justice or are they coming after him for revenge? Um, are they amenders or are they avengers? To use uh, Zemo's own phrasing, and they no, very much are there. Huh? They're
1: revengers.
0: They're no. They're they're coming to take him away to the raft. To the raft. Like they are not there to seek revenge. They are there to seek justice.
1: And, and yeah, because if it was revenge, it would take him back to Wakanda yeah. or kill him right there. Or kill him right there. Yeah. But they're putting him on the raft where he won't get broken out by anybody. I promise. <laughs> won't happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I did like the conversation that Zemo had with him. Zemo has some wisdom. He's not a good guy, but he does have some wisdom. And he's talking about the book and talking about you are not seeking amends. You you weren't amending. You were avenging. And tells Bucky, you need to find someone you can actually, you know, help through their grief. And this will be his buddy, I think, from episode one. We've been waiting for that guy to come back. Well, we're going to see him next week, I think. And we're going to see him. We're going to see Bucky go and help him.
1: That also echoes what Sam and Bucky were talking about in front of the house, you know. Where Sam's like, I bet there's someone in your book that needs actual, you know, help, help them come to some conclusion. And Bucky's like, well, there's a dozen. And Sam's like, great, just start with one. (laughs) And that one guy is named Mr. Nakamura.
0: Well, and again, that's another thing, another life lesson, you know, start with one. Uh-huh. Just just start. Take a step. If you have something that needs to get done and it feels like it's too big to do, start with one.
1: How do you eat an elephant? One bite um, at a time. With
0: barbecue one bite sauce at and, a time. and oh. Um, yeah, one bite at a time.
1: <laughs> you could put barbecue sauce on your bite, but one bite at a time. Yeah. Although I would not put barbecue sauce on an elephant ear Ben
0: Oh, that would be horrible.
1: That would be horrible, wouldn't
0: it? Mm. I do love myself a good elephant ear.
1: When it's right out of the fryer, yeah.
0: Yeah. That was the one good thing when we had a a uh, citywide festival called Summerfest, and it was in the park across the street from our house. I hated it. Parking was horrible. People were horrible. Uh, it, it was just terrible. But there were elephant ears. Almost made up for it. Mm. Almost made up for people. Using the bathroom in our yard and stuff. So, yeah.
1: Well, you might have a you might have a a, a, a county fair or something like that coming up. So
0: maybe maybe actually this weekend another- is the Maple Fest in our new town. The next door town has the Maple Fest on Saturday. So
1: is that? Do you live in Woolerton now? Is that what <laughs> i <mean?
0: laughs> Yes, that was me spitting.
1: Three people got that joke. You and I are two of them.
0: Yeah. Hey, I've got some listener feedback. First, we got something from Agent Hank. He says, so they introduce the Contessa Valentina. First time on screen since Lisa Rina played her in the David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury movie. Anyone else notice that her blank business card is white on one side and black on the other? I've seen some websites declaring that Val will be an evil manipulator. I think the card shows us she will definitely play on the gray side. And then he says, Time Bandits rock. I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theaters. My wife wouldn't have got it. And the map is probably my favorite all-time movie prop. And then he says, I saw Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Justice League. I didn't feel the need to sign up for HBO Max and surrender four hours of my life to see what the Snyder Snyder Cut would bring to the table. I'm a bigger fan of Tyler Hotchlin's Berlanti-verse portrayal, i.e. Superman and Lois. I think he, as an actor and the showrunners, get the character. That is from Agent Hank. And then Agent Brian. Subject line, Zemo escape plan. In Falcon and Winter Soldier Episode 3, you discuss the escape of Baron Zemo. I understand. I understood it was a plan that Zima was ready to go and could have escaped at any time. Or, to quote Roger Rabbit, not at any time, only when it was funny. <laughs> he had the passkey already in his book probably for a while. All he needed was to let someone know how they could start a fight. Just my two cents. Agent Brian from Dublin. P.S. Love the show. Keep up the good work. And Agent Brian, thank you for uh, fixing that hole in our knowledge <laughs> Where we were trying to figure out where in the world did he get that key card? Well, it was already there. That makes sense. He already had it. Just needed the distraction. I love it.
1: And Agent Brian, thank you for quoting Roger Rabbit.
0: <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. not the first time that Roger Rabbit has been quoted on the on this podcast, I think. I think we've at least quoted the line where he says, I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. I, I think that's at least been quoted, but... Yeah, if but it was, it was like three hundred episodes ago. So,
1: but that was Eddie, not actually Roger Rabbit. It was. Yeah, Eddie says, "I am maybe dumb, but I'm not stupid."
0: Oh, all I know Does is he? I had a button with a picture of Roger Rabbit that had that oh, on it. He doesn't say that. I don't know. I don't know. It's oh, been too long. if only there
2: I were seen that movie.
0: <laughs> is that on Disney Plus? Yes. Okay might have to watch it again it's been again years since i've seen that movie too so yeah well i think that's our episode post-credit we're going to talk about the uh shane chi and the legend of the ten rings trailer that just dropped teaser trailer that just dropped so you guys have any final words
1: yeah I love it when we get together and talk. Thank you guys so much for indulging us and listening to us and and writing in. And thanks to Samantha and Ben for, you know, coming together and sharing some thoughts around this fire.
2: And I would like to thank our uh, feedback agents, Hank and Brian. And our Patreon patrons, Jeffrey Tassel, Blessed Cheesemaker, 084, and Julie, thank you all very, very much.
0: I want to say somewhat, a little bit. I don't like it when podcasters do it, but we do it anyway. Just apologizing for scheduling and for maybe not getting episodes out as timely as they could. Most of our listeners, I think, do. Um, give us grace that comes with, you know, life coming first and all that kind of thing. I I do want to thank you for that and apologize that episodes haven't always gotten out like right away after the episode. Um, But with that said, we did get this episode recorded before the next episode came out. That's (laughs) great. Hopefully it'll get released before the next episode comes out. Um, And for right now, you know, I'm just curious, what is the final episode of this show going to be like? Uh, But, Anyway, all we can do now is sit tight and just chill. Sometimes there's nothing to do until there's something to do. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard from us, now we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us voicemail by calling 17755 Level 7. That's 1775-553-8357. Or send us an email to feedback at welcome to level 7.com. Just don't forget, the seven is spelled out. You can also go to welcome to level 7.com slash feedback and leave us a message there. Or join us on our Facebook group, Facebook.com/slash welcome to level 7. The 7 is spelled out. And don't forget, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash welcome to level seven the seven is spelled out and become a patreon supporter there once again thanks so much for listening and godspeed yep so let's let's talk about shang chi because there's a trailer and you know what this trailer showed me
1: that you want to watch Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings.
0: Yeah, it got me really excited. <laughs> it got me really excited uh, because of the all the wire-fu-looking, yeah. exciting kung fu, yeah. styling, stylistic stuff.
1: So what's really interesting is it looks like it goes through several different time periods.
0: Yeah, I, I th- we're, we're going to see Shang-Chi growing up, but I think we're also definitely going to see some flashbacks to what, I don't know what the time periods are called, but to olden days when Shang-Chi's dad was doing stuff, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. And I'd also love to see it tie into the Iron Fist, but I don't think it will.
2: I did get a lot of Iron Fist vibes, or rather what Iron Fist could have been.
1: Um, yeah,
2: yeah, I'm not in particular excited about this, but it's MCU, and there have been plenty of t- teaser trailers where I looked at the teaser trailer and eh, and then I went to see the movie later and I fell in love with the movie. So I'm not judging, don't judge my opinion at all by my reaction. It's just the only thing that's won me ever is I know it's MCU. And 99 times out of 100, it's really fantastic stuff. So I'm putting my faith into the entire franchise.
0: Now, the teaser trailer is going to be the stuff that's ready to go. Right. And so that's that's why they have to – I think they wanted to be very careful to call it a teaser trailer. This is not the official trailer trailer. Um, This is just – yeah, they're going to tease us with stuff that's done.
1: What's the one out of a hundred that you don't like, Samantha? Um,
2: Iron, well, Iron Fist, actually probably like 98% out of a hundred Iron Fist and Inhumans. Those are probably the two things where I'm like, "Uh, that could have been
1: a lot better. No, the correct answer is Thor the Dark World.
0: (laughs) Which my kids remind me they still have not seen.
1: Well, that's because you're a good parent, Ben. <laughs> I think you've said that before. Um, uh, I think it's great. I it, what it showed me was, hey, you like the MCU, right? Here's another MCU property that you're gonna like. So don't forget might have,
0: <laughs> another one coming.
1: And 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 uh, if Terry Slatterly, it's Terry, right? Who who what who did Ben Kingsley play in, in Iron Man Three?
0: Oh, it was it was Slattery, but I can't remember. I can't remember the first name now.
1: If Ben Kingsley isn't in this movie, I'm gonna be mad. Yeah, but he Kevin. That's his
2: name. Kevin. Yeah, but that wasn't exactly someone of power. He was just an actor who was playing a face of someone else who was in
1: power. And then they retconned
0: it. Yeah. Then they came back with that short in the what was it, the the name of the king or something like that. I don't remember now.
2: Was there a short? Okay. Yeah. I yeah.
0: There was a one shot. There was a one shot Wait, that they mean? did where he's in prison. He's being interviewed for a TV show, and it turns out the interviewers um, were using that to get in there and get him. And because they were from
1: the Ten Rings,
0: because they're actually from this guy. Okay. Where was in? in
1: oh, trailer. was this a, a a
2: comic and not no. a?
0: No, mm-hmm. no, it was one of those shorts that they did.
1: Remember when they used to do those?
2: The extra yeah. on the DVD kind of thing. But I'm just trying to remember if I I don't think I've seen that. Yeah. So you guys will have to point me in that direction. It's probably on YouTube.
0: I, I'm sure it is. It's yeah it upset me a little bit because I really liked the idea of that being the way that they MCU'd the Mandarin, you know, the the way they were able to kind of get around it and thematically it fit with what they were doing with Iron Man three. But if it means we get a great MCU Kung Fu movie, I'm all for it.
1: You know, I don't have a problem necessarily with, with them retconning it. Because I think it worked. He's still slatterly. He still, he was still using the 10 rings as a, as a cover and they got mad about it. And that led them to be able to make this movie.
0: Yeah, no, I just love the idea that the Mandarin, that's what the Mandarin was, you know, and, and then now it's, that's not what the Mandarin was. So what is the Mandarin for real? well, the Mandarin for real is in a Kung Fu movie. So hopefully it's good. And it's what was when they decided to do time travel up until that point, I was like, no, I don't want time travel. And then we find out it's actually pretty cool on agents of shield. And Loki is going to be starring in a time bandits movie with Owen Wilson. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See, here's, here's what I keep going back to. And aside from, Thor the Dark World, Kevin Feige has had him all out of the park. And I'll even forgive him for Thor the Dark World. <laughs> so so I, I have no... I know if Kevin Feige wasn't involved in this one, then we could have a conversation. Is it going to be good or not? But he is. There's no reason to doubt that he is. So I think it's going to be, again, very good.
0: Well, but along with that, you know, you talking about Thor of the Dark World and all that kind of stuff, you know. For me, if it's just a binary up or down, thumbs up, thumbs down for the MCU, I don't know if there's anything in the MCU I would give a thumbs down to.
1: I'll I, agree to that.
0: I just I'll I, I, I don't know if I would give Dark World a thumbs down. Maybe I would. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to go back and watch it again. Um, Incredible Hulk. I, I don't think I'd give that a thumbs down. Inhumans, I think it's good enough to give it a thumbs up. I mean, Ant Man alone kind of yeah. elevates that show. Um, I, I just oh, don't. Oh yeah, f-
2: there was a lot about Inhumans that I did like. I like the characters. It's just I think the writing and the directing could have been a lot better.
0: Absolutely, oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, and no I, one's
1: doubting that. It's like a bad. It's like a bad day at Disneyland is better than a good day at work, right? A bad MCU movie
0: is better than. A good DC movie. Okay, I'm not saying that either. You're the one who nope. said that.
1: <laughs> I'll say that.
0: You do not speak yeah, for you still have not seen Level Wonder 7 Woman. or its affiliates.
2: You still have not seen Wonder Woman. Fine. <laughs> because Wonder Woman is a fantastic movie.
0: And Shazam was pretty good, too.
2: Uh, I haven't seen that.
0: Send your hate mail to Stewart. Yes.
1: <laughs> you can still send it to the same email, but just, you know... Attention, in the Stuart, subject
0: line put attention hate mail for Stuart
1: <laughs> if you do that Ben please forward it to me <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will read it first because I do want to protect there you go. from that's... any actual hate mail but yeah. please all right guys No, I...
1: <laughs> but yeah I, I I have complete faith that uh this was gonna be great and and if you guys don't well then that's your that's between you and your maker.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's really heavy.
1: It's a heavy episode.
0: (laughs) All right, guys. Last word, last chance. We got to shut this one down. Okay. Thanks for hanging out. See ya. Bye. (laughs)